acknowledge you as the only true and living God. O eternal King, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Unto your name alone be honor, glory, power, and dominion. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness unto us, your blessings upon us, your tender mercies towards us. Thank you for the refreshing that comes from your presence. We honor you tonight. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you so much for your everlasting love. Your loving kindness towards us. It's sweeter than honey. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Can you please close that door for me, please? Thank you. Good evening, everybody. So very quickly, let's just go over last Sunday morning's message, and then we're going to throw it open to discussion or questions, as the case may be. So last Sunday, I spoke from John chapter 2. Uh, we looked at the K, uh, Jesus at the wedding at Cana of Galilee. And... Uh, we understand the context of the message. He's at a wedding, and his presence there affirms God's institution of marriage. His presence there speaks to us of the essentiality of Jesus being present in our homes if we are to have joy or happiness. In John chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says there were six water pots of stones that was used for the Jewish purification. And so on Sunday, I ran very quickly over those, the significance of that water port. Uh, the Bible teaches us from scriptures and from Jewish tradition that there were at least seven different vessels that was common to the Jewish family. Uh, the first one is the vessel of honor, which we find in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. This was the vessel that was placed in the home that was used to quench thirst for drinking purposes and also to wash hands and feet from having traveled from a, in a dusty road or washing the hands before the Jewish people ate. Now, after that vessel of honor has been used for such a time, it gets one down, one out, and the lips begin to crack from so much pouring. So instead of throwing the vessel away, they merely, uh, what's the word now? Uh, they delegate it. Instead of continuing to be a vessel of honor, it becomes what they call a vessel of dishonor. And so instead of now quenching thirst, they use it for garbage. So the first one, the vessel of honor, the second one, the vessel of dishonor, and then, of course, we have the vessel of mercy, number three, Romans chapter 9, verse 23. The vessels of mercy are public or general drinking vessels that was placed in city center to accommodate strangers and travelers throughout Israel for a place to drink. See, they didn't have any quick trip or McDonald's or any of those places. So you just stop at the city center and you got something to drink, vessel of mercy. And then, of course, you have the clean vessel. Clean vessel is the, number of, is the fourth kind of vessel that was available in Israel, and that was simply vessels that was used to convey grains to the temple. You see that in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 20. And then you have the broken vessels. These are vessels from time to time uh, that they break. Psalm 31, verse 12. And God had a remedy of fixing those broken vessels. Thank God for that. And then you have the chosen vessel, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Uh, chosen vessels are vessels that the potter will make and put away and reserved for special assignments. The Apostle Paul was a chosen vessel. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, we see that again. And of course, the last one is a vessel of wrath, Romans 9, 22. And thankfully, none of us is a vessel of wrath. Verses of wrath are children of disobedience, and they are marked for destruction. So, apart from these verses, two things we see that Jesus that happened in John chapter two. Two things. Number one, he met 
a physical need at a wedding. They ran out of wine and he met the need. He supplied wine. So the message to us is whatever need we have, physical, natural needs that we have, those needs are not too small or too big for Jesus to meet. They're never too small or too big. I mean, it's, it, this thing is so real, it's just, it's, just, uh, it's amazing. And I'm just want to, I just want to encourage you to get to the place where you totally entrust every need in your life to God. Uh, I had a teaching material that I had purchased maybe 2003, 2004. It came in a CD, uh, CD-ROM, CD, yeah. One CD with about 42 modules of teachings in them. Training models, training materials. And as I began to learn and develop and grow in the area of marketplace ministry, workplace ministry, all the things we've been talking about over the last two, three months, I'm pulling out all my old materials just to, uh, so I can grow, I can learn, grow, and develop myself. And I had this one CD, this CD I'm talking about. I put it in my computer, and the thing just was blank. Obviously, because it's, I, I don't know, it's just blank. And so, the information of the CD, where I purchased it, the, uh, the, what do you call it, the website address, the phone numbers, the whole nine yards. But the phone number don't work any longer. I logged on to the, uh, to the um, uh, website address. It's gone. In fact, the domain is for sale. <laughs> it's crazy, man. So I just put it on my desk. I just, I just laid it there. Uh, so this afternoon, just before I, I go here, on one of the table shelves in my bedroom, I saw a business card. And that business card was for that ministry with the same ministry name. The only difference is it has the cell phone number of the woman that was the director at the time when I purchased the thing. Now, mind you, I wasn't looking for it. It was just there standing at me. So I said, well, this is interesting. I pick up my phone, dial the number, and I got a voicemail that confirmed the name on the card. So I said, oh, wow, this, this number actually exists. <laughs> I left a voicemail. Two hours later, she called me back, and bang, 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 reconnected me back to, what it, to the source. I have all my materials. Just like that. Now, I'm saying that to say, I'm saying all of that to say, there is nothing that concerns you that does not concern God. If it is ethical, and if it's legal. Let, let me put that in part. Let me, let me. <laughs> if it is ethical, and if it is legal. You see, because, uh, Revelation, what, what day was I here? Today's Wednesday. It has to be yesterday. Was it not yesterday? Okay. And I was talk, just talking to her about some things about future trainings and teachings and certain things that I wanted to do. And uh, it's just amazing how my heart's desire, God just walked through it and placed everything I needed right in my hands. Just like that. Now, is God a respectful person? No. Is he just doing it for me? No. He's going to do exact same thing for you. Now, let, let, let me find a scripture in John chapter 5, I think it is. Verse 17. Ah, it's not verse 17. Oh. Let me see if I can find it quickly. So, he met two needs. The first being the physical need. And the point being, there is nothing that concerns you that God is unconcerned about. Okay, let me just find that scripture. I'm sorry, give me a minute. Uh, 
Yeah, John 7, 17. Look at what it says. John 7, 17. It says, if anyone wills to do his will, what's the condition? If anyone wills to do his will, it goes on to say, he shall know concerning the doctrine. In other words, when the disposition of your heart is inclined towards God, when the disposition of your heart is inclined towards God, there is no question you're asking for that God will not give it to you. Okay, let, let's, let's reverse that. If I'm asking questions of God and I'm not getting any answers, do you know why? From what I just read. What's the answer? If you ask a miss, okay, what do you say? Heart is not inclined towards obedience. Jeremiah said the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, so the point being is, you're asking me some things, I'm asking some things, oh, no, no problem, ah, it's done. I can say that to you, you can say that to me, no problem. But God knows that what I'm saying, I don't mean to do it. Go and ask all these politicians. They will make every promise under the sun to get your votes, but they have no intention from day half, not day one, day half, <laughs> to do what they're saying. So God is saying, listen, if you're going to ask me for anything, make sure your heart is right. Make sure your heart is right. Make sure you are inclined towards obeying. Because when I give it to you, oh man, sometimes God does not answer out of mercy. Out of mercy. You know why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. So for him to answer and give you the goods and you don't do it, You was off not having it. Because he said to him that has not, to him, whatever they have will be taken away. So you follow what I'm saying? Every need you have is important to God. That's the point I'm making physically. Do we get that? Are you sure? Did you get that? And so I also said that when you're asking and you're not getting answers, what, what does that, what does, what's, this, what's, what's the possible scenario? If I'm asking and there are no answers, what's, what's happening? My heart is not inclined to obedience. If that's the case, what should I do? Pardon me? Repent, what else? <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Then you definitely want to make sure that you're uh, asking not from your head knowledge, but from the word, from what God wants. Because some of the things the word of God said we ask in a miss, meaning that it's something that. Either it's not time to have it or either we're just not ready for it and God knows it. So I think it's, we need to find out if this is something God wants. If we heard God say that it is and we're asking and we're not receiving, then of course that's maybe the enemy trying to hold our blessing back. So it's just different scenarios. Mm -hmm. That could be different things that could be causing that prayer not to come to pass. Maybe it's just not the fullness of time. So it's best to search and seek God's to find out, is this your perfect will? Is okay, let, let me rephrase that question. And you missed the, the earlier part of the discussion. Yeah. But let me, let me, when you know it's the will of God, and you pray, and you don't get the answer, Tonita was correct. And I think Revelation also said it. Our heart is not inclined to obedience, therefore the thing is withheld. Because to give it 
and your heart is not inclined, puts more judgment on you. Do you understand that? So, in, out of, so out of God's mercy, so the question I'm asking now is, we already answered the question based on John 7, 17. Because my heart is not inclined. I'm not, I'm not saying to you now that you know that, that was, that's perhaps the reason why there's no manifestation, no answer, or no revelation. How do you change that situation around? That's the question. How do you change this situation about your heart's inclination towards God? That's the question, sir. James, oh, yeah. James tells us that we ask and means. That's yes. why we don't receive. Yeah. Yes. So if we ask and means, yeah. then knowing, as you said, is the will of God, because we know so many things in the Bible about the will of God. Yes. Then is to repent of that and mm -hmm. turn unto him, okay. not for our own glory, but okay. for his glory. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yes, Donita. Um, so when you know that you're operating in the will of, of God mm -hmm. and you know that this is something that he's willing, mm -hmm. that he has, um, you know, graced you to move forward with, but you're at that stopping point where you don't see the manifestation, I, I guess. For me, bringing in recollection to what he said you know, as far as I know this is, this is, this is the, the path that you created for me because of, you know, whatever scripture he gave you or whatever um, revelation he gave you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just praying at that point to ask for just further direction and guidance. You know, you showed me before, so show me again. And in that process, to wait until you find the answer. Okay. I'm not sure if we're not understanding the question. I hear what you're saying. But what I want to know is, when I'm praying for a specific direction or need, and I understand that when I will to do his will, he reveals to me or shows me the doctrine. And we already agreed we already agreed. We already settled. Why I'm not getting it? My heart is not inclined. The only question I'm asking is, how do I turn that around? How do I make my heart become inclined? That's the question. The, the... By the word of God, through the word of God. I don't know anything about the word of God. Teach me, show me how through the word of God. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I hear you. Your answer is correct. But you know how, you know how broad that is? Yeah. By the word of God. So do I go to Hebrews? Do I go to John? Do I go to Ephesians? Do I go to James? How, how in a simple, practical way? Do you understand? Your answer is correct, but is, is this right? So I'm just trying for us to narrow it down. Because if we get this right, it will help us. Yes, Dr. Lee. Okay. Repentance and... Uh, and and taking on the act of humbleness, hum, um, humility. Okay. That's All the right. only two things I could think of right now. Okay, good. Sister Henrietta. Good, good, good contribution. Uh, since God, I will just thank God for his words. Yes. And I appreciate him for his words. And I will act and walk towards, in faith, towards whatever I'm believing for. <laughs> okay. All right. Anybody else? That's very good. The Holy Spirit. Okay. The one that directs, and once we seek his help, he will direct us. Amen. Yes. Yolande. <laughs> okay. After you've repented, uh, mm -hmm. you've repented, and... Um, and you're inclined to his will now. I just probably believe just trust and wait on him. Just trust him. All of you are correct. I mean, yes, all of you are correct. But, but it's just broad out there. How about this? So we can move on. How about that? Why are you going to say something? Well, I need the answer because I'm actually walking in that exact Okay. Right now. This, 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 this simplest answer, the simple answer, when David was going to build a temple, 
He told us the answer. When Nehemiah was going to rebuild the walls, he gave us the answer. And the answer simply is, any inclination towards God has to come by what? The Holy Spirit. Only God can give me an inclination towards God. Therefore, if I'm praying about some specific things, and I'm not getting answers, and I know it's the will of God for sure, and I, I now understand from John 7, 17, that those who will to do his will, he shows the doctrine. And that my inclination... See, I could be saying all the right things in the natural. Oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Like Paul said, I'm not Paul, Peter. Jesus said, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be betrayed. What? It will never happen to you. You are not going to the cross. I'm going to die with you. Did he mean it? Yes. He was sincerely wrong. Jesus knew the moment he uttered the word, he would never do it. But if you asked him when he said it, he meant it. So what I'm saying to us is, all of us must recognize the role and the part of the Holy Spirit as a helper. He is the only one that can incline my heart towards God. But I must involve him in that process. Holy Spirit, I'm thanking you for giving me the inclination, inclination Godward. Absolutely. It has to be that specific. I mean, if I'm running over, many times I'm in my house, I'm looking for this book. This last Sunday I was looking for a book. I've looked for it for two, three days on my own. I've ransacked my entire house. So finally, Sunday morning, I said to my wife, I'm looking for this book. I could not even remember the full name of the but I know the book. So she said to me, is it the book with the, with the, with the potter? With the, I said, yeah. She, that's, <laughs> she, she actually said that. <laughs> she actually said that. Now this is the point I'm making. My helper was in the house all the while. But I was looking on my own. Ignoring the helper that was placed there to help me. And a helper cannot, even though the Holy Spirit knows what's going on, it's not going to barge into your life. It's a, it's a perfect gentleman. One of his attributes is, is being gentle. So it's not going to just barge into your life. So when I told her, of course, I had to come to church, she found the book and brought it to church to me. I had looked everywhere. I couldn't find the book. You know, so I'm saying the Holy Spirit is the same way in our lives now. And I'm just, I'm just really, really pressing, trying to encourage you to understand the role of the helper. He's waiting just say, call on me. I will show you great and mighty things of which you know not. Yeah. Amen? Any questions on that? Yes. I guess I just want to make sure I have clarity. So yes. I know that the reason why my prayer is not answered is because my heart is not inclined to obedience. That in that not, area. In that area. Not just obedience yes. generally. So that is not necessarily, for lack of a better word, a sin or whatever. So no, not no, no, really, no. It's not about repentance per se or just acknowledging the role the Holy Spirit is supposed to play in this area of Correct. life. Okay. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. Yes. Another question. Mm -hmm. So you, you were saying that the Holy Spirit is, uh, is calm and gentle. Mm -hmm. So even though... Um, he knows what you really need. If you don't ask them to yeah. say, it's just going to be quiet. Yes. Until you kind of That's like, what the Bible says. Ask and you shall receive. Okay. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. And when you look at that scripture, in the amplified transition, it says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Now, there are certain situations where maybe your life is in danger, something about then it. it, it yes. Yeah, it intercepts the situation, okay? But, but in the absence of that, where you just become careless and want to take it on your own and just want to do it all by yourself, you can wear yourself out. Yeah. So to Lee's point, there's, a, there's an element of humility there 
recognizing that you, in and of yourself, you know enough to do whatever God wants you to do, that you need a helper. And that helper has been sent by, the, by God in the name and person of the Holy Spirit. So we just have to uh, employ his service because he's there looking to minister to us. Okay, so that's the first need that Jesus did. In that wedding, he ministered to the physical needs of the people. There's a second thing he did. That is, he ministered to their spiritual need. The Jews had always believed that through washing of their hands and washing of their feet in water, that they were purified. But Jesus was making a point that that would not be sufficient in the dispensation that you and I are living in. And therefore, what he did on that day was not just a message to them, but it's also a message to you and I. Two things he did. Number one, he ministered to their physical needs. And number two, he ministered to their spiritual needs. Now, let me now ask us that's living in 2018, which of those two needs were of greater significance? The physical need or the spiritual need? May 2018. Yeah. Which of the two was of greater significance? Then or now? Well, now, 2018? Today. Right now in this room, we all have physical needs. We all have spiritual needs. Mm -hmm. Right now, all of us. Yeah. All of us. I, I, no? I would say perhaps our uh, physical needs. Okay. Based, do I go any further than that? Yeah, you can, if you can support with scripture, yes. That would be good. Well, as Jesus been I said example, to me, when he uh, ministered to the multitudes, yes. he actually took care of their physical needs. Yes. Because sometimes your physical needs can hinder you from actually receiving your spiritual needs because you're, you are in the realm of the flesh and you can't hear because you're, you're just focusing on your, you physical know, on your physical needs. But once that physical need is ministered to, I believe... You're open. Your spirit is open, depending okay. on what spiritual level you're at. Okay, Sam. Thank you. Yes. But there is a scripture that says, "Seek ye first ah. the kingdom of God, yeah, and His righteousness. Every other thing will be added unto us." Thank you. And the and the reason that's so important is, I want us to train ourselves to start thinking according to scriptures. Uh, if I'm an unbeliever or either if I'm just not mature in the word or even knowing the word. <laughs> so I'm thinking, where right now I'm thinking the needs of people that are not church or spiritual. So, well, but if you're saying for me as a believer, yes, first seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and then everything <laughs> else will be added to you. Which, which political party do you belong to? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? <laughs> I mean, that's why I said, where, where are your spiritual level? Because I think God will meet you where you are. Yeah, God, God will meet you where you are. And if yeah, I'm not yeah, spiritually God, But that's there, not my question, though. Okay. See, my question, I'm, I'm trying to get us to understand how the kingdom of God works and operates. So I'm asking us in this room, we have both physical needs and spiritual needs. Which one is of most significant? And the reason that's important is, okay, let me see. Lee is going to say something. Don't let me um, give it away. I was going to say that every, I was going to say that I believe that every physical need is a revealing of a deeper spiritual Absolutely. 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 What happened to Job in the natural was as a result of what? A discussion that took place in the spirit. And the reason I'm bringing this point out, we have to become kingdom people. Kingdom-minded. 
kingdom money. I cannot look at my physical need and just see it in this dimension alone. If I'm looking at it in this dimension alone, I'll miss it. Big time. Because I can only see so far. I can only know so far. But there's a spirit that transcends all of that. And that's why Jesus, when he said that scripture in Matthew 6, 33, he was not speaking to believers. Nobody was born again. And he said to them, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. It is true, he ministered to people that were sick, he ministered to people that were hungry, he did that. But he did that so they can really say, wow, who are you? What do you, why are you carrying? It, 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 it was like a bait to bait them in so they can come to learn more about him. But it was never his intention that they remain in the realm of the physical. Because if you look at that, I was hungry yesterday. I'm, did I get hungry today? Yes. <laughs> so, so the physical hunger was met yesterday, but today you're hungry again. And you'll be hungry tomorrow. So there is, a, there is a temporal element to the meeting of physical needs. I mean, when I look at people that I know in this church that you and I know, you can see them two, three years ago, maybe we didn't have a job, things were rough, and then you see the same person three months later, six months later. It's changed. So whatever that physical temporary situation was, was that, temporary, had an expiration date. But even though they now have a job and things are better for them, do they still have spiritual needs? Yes. And if they don't take care of that spiritual need, they'll be back or in worse shape than they were six months and a year ago. Huge. Huge. So Jesus did both things. He ministered to the physical and the spiritual. But Paul tells us that everything that happened happened as example for me and you. So the point is, we should not be careless about our spiritual discipline. Seeking God, trusting God, praying, being in the word of God, fasting, all of those spiritual elements help us and prepare us for life to live in the natural. Any other questions? Yes. <laughs> this, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe comments or and um, question. Sure. Yeah, the, I find it very insightful. The examples you use about God saving the best for the last. Yes. I mean, you cited examples of uh, Isaac, yes. Ishmael. Yeah. I mean, Esau, and yeah. that is very, very insightful. Uh, one thing also I find here in the study here is that uh, God always, as you said, reserved the best for the life. And yes. in terms of the life of Jesus Christ, yes. Yes. there was first Adam and then the second Adam, oh my gosh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I owe you some. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's powerful. Yes. That is absolutely powerful. The first and the last. Yes. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. yes. And also, in terms of the wine, you know, when Moses turned water into blood, blood, yes. But Jesus turned water into wine. Correct. To make gladness, to yes. make the heart glad. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And also, uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 there that we should not be filled with. Wine, but rather with the Holy Spirit. And yeah. the Holy but Spirit. Let's put it correctly. We should not be feeling wine, wine as in excess. Excess. Yeah, yeah excess. Right. No, I just. I will not do that on Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, I will not dare do that on Sunday morning. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that is very good. Yeah. But then, when I studied this portion very well, 
I found, you know, this miracle is only in John. Yes. It's not in the synoptics. So yes. that means I would think that maybe Matthew, for example, wasn't called yet. Hmm. Because it was more very private, and mm -hmm. this happened in chapter 2. Yes. And Jesus, I mean, the mother of Jesus told him that, um, I mean, they should turn to Jesus Christ, but Jesus told his mother that my time has not come. Yes. Does it mean that it's referring to, I mean, the baptism and then the God himself declaring him, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Okay. It's referring to his glorification. Okay. It's referring to his being, going to the cross, buried, and resurrected. And we know that because when you go back through the rest of the scriptures, this was not the only time he mentioned it, about his time. So he, he lived a life with anticipation for the cross. He, mind you, mind you, we addressed this a, a, a while back. When Jesus was born as a baby, he was wrapped in almost the same way as a dead person is wrapped in the Jewish custom. So the wrapping was symbolic of the fact that this one was born to die. So his, entire, so his life was lived with that so he set his eyes like a flint to Calvary. That was his time. Now, you, 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 you touched a point here. Actually, two things. The Bible says that that miracle was done. And that as a result of it, in John chapter 2, in verse 11, his disciples believed in him. Okay, so... So, so, so it was a turning point for many of them. They were not just associating with him any longer, just following this ride by, what's he up to, what's he going to be doing, and on and on and on. Because you have to remember, up to this point, I think this is a good point, up to this point, Jesus primarily was just the carpenter. His resume, his CV, his profile, is a carpenter. So now, this rumor is out there that this carpenter has some super, he has a special calling, he's a Messiah, he's the son of God. Really? The man that used to make cabinets? We know the tables he's made. The tables were great tables. Stools were great stools. Chairs were wonderful. But how do we equate this man that made stools with the son of God? That's what Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said it in the chapter before this one. He said it in chapter 1. In fact, the last verse of chapter 1 confirmed to us that Canaan was the town of Nathaniel. So Nathaniel that had just made a declaration, can any good thing come out of Nazareth, is here at the wedding. And he saw the water turn to wine. He said, ah, okay. If I had any doubt up to this moment, now I come to believe. Now you must understand that biblically, that word believe is not a noun, it's a verb. Very, very important. So for them, believing is not just something you do and you sit. Believing is something you accept and gets you going. It galvanizes you into action. You cannot believe and sit. Does that make sense? So believing is not to them. See here, we believe, we just, ah, it's a mental thing. We just believe. It's, it's, it's mental knowledge. We just believe and sit down. And the believing does not move us to do anything or to be anything. That's not the way the Bible describes belief. When the Bible talks about belief, and you can see this in Amplified Translation, every time you see the word believe in Amplified, it talks about, you know, adhering, clinging to, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's an action word. Amen? Were you going to say something? Okay, okay. Um, not sure if it, it's of any true significance, but it just, I just keep on 
um, asking this question to myself. So, uh -huh. in regards to the miracles, um, you said that, and only the servants and Mary knew about um, the miracle. Yes. And they were the ones who, were, you know, who participated. And the only way um, that you know what God is up to is by being in relation to Him. And I guess that's the significance of why Mary was permitted to see the miracle as well as the servants. Now, you also pointed out to um, how the, the reasoning for the conversion of water to wine and the purification process of the people that partake. So why wasn't it brought to their knowledge or how how was this good. impactful for them? Good. I get why Mary and the servants. Good. Very good question. Let me rephrase the question. The Bible said to us that the governor of the feast did not know, but that the servants knew about the miracle that happened. And we said on Sunday that that miracle symbolized Jesus trying to illustrate that true purification did not come through mere washing the water, but his blood. So the question she's asking, if that whole idea or that whole miracle was intended to impact those people there that day, how come it was not announced to them or known to them that in fact this, this wine you just drank was in fact water turned to wine to help you understand that this is the real, true purification and worship? That's the question. Very good question. You know what the answer is? <laughs> this will help you appreciate God more. Because while the miracle was for them, the message was for us. That's what Paul was talking about when he says, let's go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I think it is, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Very, very good question. Very, very good question. Uh, no, 1 Corinthians. Very, very good question. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Well, we can, we, can read, we can look at verse 6. 1 Corinthians 10, 6. It says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after everything as they also lost it. Verse 11 also. Now, I like the way King James says this. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. Not example, but examples is what the King James says. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The, an example is something that happened as an enactment, like an acting, like a drama. Okay? An example, I can give you an illustration to be an example. I just told you what happened to me on Sunday morning. I was looking for a book for three days. That's an example. But an example go further to actually dramatize what I just said. So what God is saying is, he allowed Israel to dramatize for us the things he's teaching us now. So their entire life and history of Israel was a huge drama. And the reason those guys could not have known or they didn't have to know was because the truth of the matter was Jesus had not really been to the cross yet. They had known it wouldn't have done them any good whatsoever. Cannot appropriate it then. It was a signal for the future. But that's a very good question. Yeah, that's a, that's a scientific, scientific question. <laughs> Dr. Tonita. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Good. I think we can pray.
You guys have any more questions? So you need to take away here, God meets your physical needs. He wants to meet your spiritual needs. And if you're asking, praying about anything that's not manifesting itself, you need to ask yourself the question, is my heart inclined to obey if I get it now? For instance, a, good, a classical one would be, man, if I just have some money, I'm going to I, I build God a kingdom. I, I'll do something marvelous for God. God said, right, yeah. <laughs> God said, yeah, right, yeah, I know, you will, uh, yeah. And the money never comes. The money never comes. That's a clear indication your heart is not ready. Your heart is not ready. God knows that. You don't know it because the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You think you know, but God says, I know you don't know it. I know you don't know it. So I'll save you the, I'll save you the grief. I'll not let the money come into your hand and you move to Dubai and leave your wife here. Amen? Father, we want to thank you for our time tonight. We want to bless you for your incredible love towards us that we see demonstrated every day. We see clearly from your word that you are interested in our families. And so, Father God, tonight we bring every home before you. Every husband, every wife, every child. We know there is nothing that is going on in our homes that affects us that does not touch your heart. We know it, we know it, we know it. And so, Father, we invite the presence of the Lord Jesus into every home, into every living room, every bedroom, every dining room. We invite your presence into every decision-making process in our homes. You said in your word that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. We don't want to labor in vain. And therefore, Lord Jesus, we are inviting you. Guide our every thought, guide our every word, guide our every action, lead us by your spirit. We acknowledge in all of our ways and we ask that you direct our path. We are trusting in you only and we are not leaning onto our own understanding. We understand, Lord God, that the hearts of men and women are desperately wicked. Who can know it? But we thank you because we know that the Holy Spirit knows every heart. And you say, such is the deep things and brings it to manifestation. So Holy Spirit, we invite your power and your presence. Be the tangible helper in our homes. Thank you, Father God, that we are the relationships in our, with, with our spouses needs mending you are the mender. Where our relationships with our children need to be mended, you are the mender. And for those of us, Lord God, that are single, we're thanking you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that we will not be carried away with the whims of our flesh. But we're going to allow you, God, to be the matchmaker. You are the one that prepared Eve for Adam. And therefore, Lord Jesus, we're thanking you. We thank you for your proven track record. You are a God that never fails. Failure is not an option with you. You've never failed before. You will not fail us now. And so, Father God, we thank you. We bless your name for your goodness unto us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for our children. Our children, Lord God, will not bring a reproach to you. They will walk in the ways of God. You say, we'll train them in a way that they should go, that when they grow up, they shall not depart from your ways. And so, Father God, we receive the courage. We receive the mandate. We embrace your ways of raising our children for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Thank you for every need that is represented in this room. My Lord God, you are the one that says you give us good things to enjoy. You say that you satisfy our mouth with good things. 
You said in your word in Psalms 103 that you daily load us with benefits. Ah, so Lord God tonight, we thank you for all the benefits that are accruing unto us. We will not miss any of your benefits whatsoever in the name of Jesus. We receive the benefits of God now. The goodness of God, the blessings of God that adds no sorrow to it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the manifestation of your goodness concerning us. We bless your name, my Lord God. And Father God, as well, we know that you are also the one that's meeting our spiritual needs. And so, Father God, tonight, we thank you for your word. You say we should seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and that all these other things shall be added unto us. And so, Father God, we are pursuing you. We are not pursuing the things. We are thanking you that as we pursue you, the things will pursue us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for giving us the inclination towards you, to honor you, to obey you, to follow after you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you've called every one of us to be a vessel of honor unto you. That as Jesus quenched the thirst of those around him, we will be the quenched thirster of those you bring around us, God, in Jesus' name. As we are filled with your spirit, we'll be able to release and water those who need to be watered. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we recognize our responsibility as your vessels of honor. We recognize our responsibility as your vessels of mercy, the stranger, because you said those that do entertain strangers and unawares, they will be blessed. And so, Father God, we thank you for your blessing. We honor you tonight. We praise your name. Thank you for your goodness upon us. As we go home, we thank you for a refreshing and journey mercies. We bless you, Lord God. Thank you for our time in your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Wonderful.